here we are, Revelation, one last time. And what we're going to talk about today are the blessings that are mentioned here in the book of Revelation. Seven times here in Revelation, we are told who are blessed. And that's what we want to look at. The word blessed describes a state of happiness, wholeness, and well-being. But it's a happiness that is derived from divine favor rather than natural circumstances. So, you know, really, this word blessed is, is a great, great word. And we, we use it a lot as Christians, obviously. And, you know, we say, hey, you know, God bless you. And, uh, you know, sometimes if I'm writing to somebody, I, I just put, you know, a blessings and then sign my name after that. And uh, we, we use the word frequently. But I think that many times we don't really know what a great word it is and, and the implications behind it. And the truth is, the, if, if we really understand what, what blessings are, it, it's, I think a good way to define it is uh, it's God's favor upon one's life. And if we really understand that that's it, you know, this is really the, the greatest thing that you can impart to someone. So, you know, when you say to somebody, God bless you, man, that is, that is a great, great thing. You're, you're speaking uh, over their lives. God's favor. That's, that's what every person ultimately needs to experience. And the wonderful thing is that God himself is a blessing God. He delights in blessing. It's, it's very much his nature. You know, reading through that 103rd Psalm, you see there the, the heart of God, that he's compassionate, that he's patient, that he doesn't deal with us according to our sins. He doesn't reward us according to our iniquities. As far as the east is from the west, he's removed our transgressions from us. And then I love that as a father pities his children, the Lord pities those who fear him. He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. And all through that 103rd Psalm, there's that, there's that call out to bless the Lord. And why are we blessing the Lord? We're blessing the Lord because of his many, many blessings that he's bestowed upon us. And so here, as we take one final look at Revelation, I want to walk us through the seven blessings that are pronounced here in this book of Revelation, beginning in the first chapter, the third verse, where we read, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy. There is a, a built-in blessing for those who hear the word of God. Now, of course, we're dealing here with the promise of a blessing for those who hear the words of this prophecy, specifically this, this book of Revelation. But remember, the book of Revelation is connected to all of the previous revelation that has come to us, what we call the Bible. And here in the Bible, there is that constant reminder to us that the word of God and meditating in it 
and obeying it, reading it, hearing it, all of that brings to us a blessing. And here in this book specifically, there is that promise of blessing. The interesting thing to me, and it's almost like the Lord anticipated this. Uh, the interesting thing is that this book of Revelation, which is a book that promises blessing right up front, it actually has been the most neglected book in the entire Bible throughout the entire age of the church. Do you know that there were centuries, literally centuries, when the church did not read or, or study or preach the book of Revelation? There are many people, and you, you can find this the case today. You don't have to go back in history. There are many people that just say, oh man, you know, that book of Revelation, that's tough. You know, it's too mystical. It's too, uh, it's all full of all the symbolism and stuff. And, you know, you can never really make sense of it. So we just avoid it. We just stay away from it. Well, for those with that mentality, what, what you really end up doing is depriving yourself and the church of a blessing. So like I said, it's like the Lord anticipated this attitude and right from the very start of the book, he promises that there is a blessing for those who read and those who hear the words of this prophecy. And it's true. As you read it, as you hear it, as you begin to, to understand it, there is such a, a blessing that comes to us through it. Two things that come to us through the book of Revelation that I think are are, you know, partially what, what brings the blessing are number one in the book of Revelation, we get a picture of Jesus that we had not had up until this point. You see, up until this point, we have known Jesus uh, according to the flesh, so to speak. We've known him as the human Jesus. We've known him as, yes, indeed, the son of God, but the son of God who has come as a person, as a human being. But it's in the book of Revelation that we get to see Jesus in his magnificence. We get to see him in his glorified state. Remember, this is the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show to his servants. So the book itself is revealing Jesus to us. It's showing us things about Jesus that we had not previously seen or known. And so think about John. He's the one who receives the revelation. And John sees Jesus in, in the flesh. He, of course, is a, an apostle of Jesus. And he is with Jesus during his ministry. And he sees his power. And he experiences the, the miracles. And he listens to his teaching. And all of that, uh, of course, is amazing for John. He even sees Jesus die and rise again. And he is with him after he's resurrected. They even see Jesus ascend up to heaven, but nobody sees Jesus in his glory. There was a brief glimpse that was given on what we commonly call the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus took Peter, James, and John, went up to a high mountain, and it says, and he was transfigured before them, and his clothing became white, whiter than anything imaginable. Uh, so in a sense, they, they got just a... a, a 
little bit of a glimpse there, but now here, John is getting a picture of Jesus like he's never seen before, like nobody's ever seen before. He's seeing him in his glory. So that's part of what happens when we go through Revelation. That's part of the blessing is getting to see Jesus in his glorified state. And then the second aspect is that the book of Revelation tells us the future. And it tells us what we can expect. And it tells us what God has in store for us. And it tells us about the glory and the splendor and the beauty and the blessedness of the kingdom that God has awaiting us. So there's a blessing that comes when I see Jesus for who he is, truly, man, that, that results in a blessing. When I look out into the future and I see what God has in store for his people for the future, that right there brings a blessing. So you see, it's in the, the reading and the hearing and the understanding of this book of Revelation that there is this, this automatic blessing that is connected. But this is just the first, as I said, of seven blessings that are mentioned. As we move on, we come to chapter 14 in verse 13. You can either turn there if you'd like, or you can just jot this down. But it says here in chapter 14, verse 13, it says, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. So here is, again, a blessing that's being pronounced. Remember, this is divine favor. This is fullness of uh, contentment and, and joy and happiness, th those kinds of things. Who is the blessing for? It's the blessing is for the dead who die in the Lord. Now, in the context of Revelation, where we see the statement, it's speaking in relation to those who are in the midst of the great tribulation period. And as the wrath of God is being more and more poured out, they die and they experience the blessing of, of being delivered from the world of tribulation and going to their rest and their reward with the Lord. But there's also, of course, application to us as well, or the, the application isn't just limited to that group of people at that time. The application is for us today as well. The application is for any who die in the Lord. Those who die in the Lord are blessed. Sometimes we forget that, don't we? Sometimes we, we think because we are sad, because we are grieving because we are suffering over the loss of someone, we, we tend to sort of project sometimes our own feelings onto that person. And we think, oh, they, they died. Oh, but no, the reality is if they died in the Lord, they are blessed. They're in that, that place, that most blessed place imaginable. So when we're weeping, when we're grieving, when we're sad, let's just remember, um, you know, we shouldn't be crying for them because they are experiencing that ultimate blessing of being in the Lord's presence. You know, this past week, a good friend um, and a fa faithful missionary, Marilyn Gibbs, 
Marilyn uh, went to be with the Lord. A few months ago, she was busy serving the Lord as she had been for over 23 years on the mission field. She had an invitation to go from Ukraine where she was living and ministering to go temporarily to minister in Cambodia. Sounded like a good idea. She thought she'd do it, but she decided to get a physical before she went. She went in, had a physical. She found out she had leukemia. Had no idea she had leukemia. And once she got the diagnosis, sure enough, the leukemia hit hard and boy, she really started to spiral downward quickly. But she got into the care of some good doctors. She got some good treatment and she suddenly was making uh, a turnaround and she was doing better. And the, the prognosis was, it was okay. Looked like she might make it through this. She was going through chemo. And in going through the chemo that weakened her immune system, she ended up getting pneumonia and she died of pneumonia. So everybody's kind of looking on thinking, wow, you know, Marilyn is, she's doing well. She's recovering. She's going she's gonna to beat this leukemia. And then suddenly we get word, Marilyn went to be with the Lord this morning. My response was, wow, man, that was sudden. Nobody expected that. But my response was also sure happy for her. You see, that's the reality for her. She has gone. She's gone into God's presence. She's gone into that place of rest. Now, Marilyn worked hard on the mission field for all of those years. She was in her early 60s. And she was tired. You could tell when you talked to her. She was tired. She labored so faithfully. But she's blessed now because she's there in the presence of the Lord and she is resting in his presence. She ceased from her labors and her works have followed her and all of those things that she did for Jesus over all of those years that most people except the recipients of her kindness and her love and her faithfulness. Most people don't know much of what she did, but the Lord knows what she did. And there she is with him today. So she's one of those that we're talking about. She's, she is one of those blessed ones who died in the Lord. Also this past week, um, a man in the church went to be with the Lord, Les Berryman. Les was part of the church for many, many years. He used to serve as a board member many years ago under Pastor Chuck. And, and just a wonderful man in his 90s, him and his wife, Dorothy, their daughter, Diana, a beautiful family, Les, just a, you know, really fun, joyful, clever, uh, just, just a great, great guy. Every time him and Dorothy would come up and talk to me uh, after a service, he would always have just such a kind word. He would always have a little clever, wise crack, you know, just one of those guys, just a, a really fun guy to be around. So this past week, we heard that he was there near to going home to be with the Lord. So we went over and we visited. And, and there we were. We were gathered around the bed. 
And there was a group of us there, and his wife Dorothy's there, and his daughter Diana's there, and some other friends. And, you know, there's joy, there's thankfulness, there's praise going on, there's encouragement to less. Oh, less, you're going to see the Lord. This is what you've waited for for so long, and his wife is leading everybody, and, you know, soon and very soon, less is going to see the king, and you know, it was just a wonderful occasion. Listen, that doesn't happen at most deathbeds. But we know blessed are those who die in the Lord. So for less, we knew it was just a matter of hours before he was going to be in that place of unspeakable bliss and glory. And that's the reality. And the works, the things that he did behind the scenes for the Lord all of those years, was faithful uh, service, love for his family, just kindness and all, and blessings that he showered on people, all of those things, they follow. They will follow him. They have followed him. They'll follow us. Some of you heard about this young woman that was murdered, uh, again, just a recently here in Orlando, even before the, the nightclub attack. It was actually the day before, I think. And she was a Christian. Her name is Christina Grimmie. She had become somewhat well-known because she was on the program, The Voice. She had an amazing voice. She recorded, um, I found on Facebook, a recording where she just sat down at a piano and sang in Christ alone, and my goodness, so beautiful. And she was doing a concert. She was signing some autographs and things afterwards, and some person decided, you know, he didn't like the fact that she praised the Lord, so she needed to die, so he came up and shot and killed her. And anyway, I saw a little clip of a gathering that they had prior to the memorial service, but a little gathering that they had, and her brother was speaking at it. And her brother actually happened to see the whole thing. He tackled the uh, assailant, and in the process, the, the killer shot himself, killed himself. So, you know, here's the brother who experiences the death of his sister and all of this, and he's up talking, and he's, of course, sharing his... his sadness and his grief and the fact that his heart's broken and all of that. But then at the end, he starts talking about how happy he is for Christina to know that she's where she always wanted to be. She is there in the presence of her Lord. Blessed are those who die in the Lord. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. They rest from their labors and their works follow them. That's, that's the place of blessing that we're ultimately all headed, those who have trusted in Christ. As we carry on through Revelation, we come then to chapter 16, verse 15, and there it says, blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. So there's a blessing here pronounced upon those who watch, those who stay awake, those who stay alert, those who um, keep themselves spiritually in that place of, of uh, devotion and commitment to Jesus. 
those who watch and those who keep their garments. The idea behind keeping the garments is that of cultivating uh, our relationship with the Lord. And listen, there's a, there's a built-in blessing in that itself. Of course, there's a blessing in it because as we do that and as we're faithful, then of course we have the, the promises of the future that we look forward to. But let's not forget that there is a tremendous blessing built into our experience as we seek Christ, as we seek to grow in him, and as we walk with him faithfully, there's a blessing in that. And so keeping the garments, blessed are those who keep their garments. And like I said, the idea there is cultivating your faith. Peter put it like this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. So we come to trust in Jesus. That's our faith. That's our foundation. But then Peter says that we are to add to that, add virtue and to virtue, knowledge and to knowledge, self-control and to self-control, perseverance and to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, love. And he says, be even more diligent to do these things, making your calling and election sure. So as you give yourself over to the cultivation of your spiritual life, as you keep yourself alert by exercising yourself spiritually, being in prayer, being consistently in God's word, being engaged in the work of the Lord. Those are all of the ways that we... Um, and others as well. But th those are the ways that we exercise ourselves. That's the idea here. And there is the, the blessing that comes along with it. Sometimes we, we go through dry seasons or we go through challenging periods. We maybe have to really push ourselves to, to maintain our our life spiritually. It doesn't come as naturally or as easily as it might come at other times. You know, sometimes it's just so easy to spend time seeking the Lord and his word. Sometimes it's so easy to go to prayer. Sometimes going to worship is just so natural and it's so easy and you're so inclined to do it. But then there's other times when it's not like that, right? There are other times when it's really, uh, it's, it's work, you have to discipline yourself. You have to say, okay, I've got to get out of bed and read my Bible. I've got to spend time in prayer. You know, I have to just engage in worship even if I don't feel like God is near. But, you know, as you do that, what you will find is that there's a blessing in that. There's a blessing that will come forth from that. And we see that in the promise right here. But then we move on. Revelation 19, verse 9, we read this. Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. So another blessing. It's upon those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. What is the marriage supper of the Lamb? Well, I believe that the marriage supper of the Lamb is really, it's the, I think it's a reference to the entire millennium. But I think it's a reference to the festive nature of the kingdom of Christ. You see, among the Jews, there was the understanding that a wedding was not a, an event that 
lasted for a few hours on a particular day, but it was a feast. It was a festival. It was something that lasted a week. And so when we think about the kingdom of the Lord, it's like a wedding feast that's going to go on throughout the duration of that time, that thousand year reign of Christ. And of course, the reign of Christ is eternal, but there's this aspect to it that's the thousand year reign. And that I think is what we're talking about when we're talking about the marriage supper of the lamb. And blessed are those who are called to it because it is going to be the greatest party of all time that's going to go on for a thousand years. The greatest party of all time. Nobody's going to be drunk there. Nobody's going to be violent. Nobody's going to be rude or belligerent. Nobody's going to do anything crazy. Nobody's going to get hurt. Those are all the things that happen at the parties I used to go to. <laughs> Unless, of course, they were birthday parties for my kids or something. But it's, that's, that's what's being described here. That's the imagery of the marriage supper is talking about this festive time. And Isaiah 25, verses 6 and 7, I think spell it out for us. It says, in Jerusalem, the Lord of hosts will spread a wonderful feast for all the people of the world. It will be a delicious banquet with clear, well-aged wine and choice meat. There he will remove the cloud of gloom, the shadow of death that hangs over the earth. So it's just going to be this wonderful, amazing time of being there rejoicing and celebrating the Lord and Jesus and the people of God and the, the kingdom of God and all of that. That's what he's talking about. Blessed are those. Notice, though, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, the called here is a reference to those who respond to the call. Make no mistake about it, everybody's invited. The call has gone out to every single person. Jesus put it like this, many are called, meaning everybody, many are called, but few are chosen. Why is it that few are chosen? Well, few are chosen because few respond to the call. You know, it's like when you get those invitations to a wedding, for example. You can either open the invitation, read it, take the RSVP thing out and say, yep, I'll be there, count me in. Or you can just throw it away, pretend like you never saw it. Uh, you're not going to that thing. And that's, sadly, that's tragically the way so many people have responded to the invitation that God has sent forth to, to come to the marriage supper of the Lamb. But for those who do respond positively, for those who say, yes, count me in, I want to be there. Yeah, those are the ones that are blessed. They will be the ones, we will be the ones who have responded. We will be the ones to experience that blessedness for that wonderful time. And then Revelation 26, 20, verse 6 says this. 
Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and he shall reign, or and they shall reign with him a thousand years. So here's another blessing. The blessing is upon those who have part in the first resurrection. So the first resurrection the reference here is to all of those who die in faith, they will be the ones to participate in the first resurrection. Jesus is called the first fruits of those who rise from the dead. So the first resurrection began with Christ. And then the next phase of the first resurrection will be those who are Christ at his appearing. So when Jesus appears, the dead in Christ, everybody who's died believing is going to be resurrected, and everybody who's alive believing is going to be instantly transformed. That's part of the first resurrection. That is the dead in Christ rising, and that is the living saints being caught up or raptured. But then there will be one other uh, final phase of the of the first resurrection, and that will happen for those who die in faith during the tribulation. And for those who die in faith during the tribulation, for those who are uh, martyred because of their belief in Jesus or however it is that they die, they will also be resurrected. And that first resurrection will take place at, prior to the establishing of the thousand year reign of Christ. Because everybody who partakes of the first resurrection will go into uh, that millennial kingdom and rule and reign with Christ. So the blessing here is for those who have part in the first resurrection. What does the blessing entail? Well, part of it is that they shall be priests of God in Christ and they shall reign with him for that thousand years. So, you know, I've said this before, and again, let me remind us, we are a people who are looking forward to something. All of God's people throughout history have always been looking forward. God has made promises, and then he calls us to, by faith, lay hold of those promises to look forward to and to live uh, in the light of those promises. So God promises Abraham... Um, his son Isaac and his son Jacob, he promises that he's going to um, give them a land. And they understood that they, they were now waiting for a city that has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. They were not content to set up their own city. They were looking ahead. They were trusting. They were waiting. And so every generation of believers has been waiting for the final fulfillment of God's promises. And we likewise, we need to fix our minds on those promises because the world is full of trouble. And sometimes those troubles can turn into temptations to pull back from Jesus. But you know, if we do that, then we're, we're what if we miss out? You know, we, we've gone so far and we're so close to the finish line kind of, and we're ready to cross over and enter into the fullness. But then no, because of hardship or difficulty, I pull back. We have to expect hardship and difficulty and realize that that's just part of the road that we're walking. But this road is leading to glory. This road is leading to that time when we will finally rule and reign with Christ. And that is so 
amazing itself, it's hard to even begin to comprehend what that's going to look like. It's going to be glorious. And blessed are those who have part in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power. There, there is no um, anything beyond that. The, all of the judgment and everything is passed. We've passed from death into life and there's no returning. The second death will have no power over those who partake in the first resurrection. And then two final pronouncements. Revelation 22, 7 says, blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And then Revelation 22, 14, blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. So both of these are saying pretty much the same thing. Keeping his uh, keeping his, the words of the prophecy of this book, doing his commandments, the blessing is there for those who do God's word. You see, once again, there's an inherent blessing that comes along with doing God's word. Some people think the exact opposite about God's word as is actually the case. Some people think, oh no, you know, I don't want to become a Christian. I don't want to follow Jesus. I don't want to live according to the Bible because that's going to mess up my life. That's going to take away all my fun. Wrong. It's going to do the exact opposite. You're already messing up your life. And it might be fun for a few minutes <laughs> in the bigger picture of time, but believe me, before it's over, it will not be fun. That's just the way life goes. And the further you go into sin, the more misery you bring into your life. So keeping God's word, doing his commandments, far from being some downer kind of a thing, no, this is, this is the way to know a blessed life. Obedience to God's word brings a blessing into our lives. As we live the way God called us to live, the natural outcome of that is blessing. You know, I, I'll just say this on a personal level. I look at my life and I look at my wife, my marriage, and, you know, I, and I'm so thankful that I got saved when I did. Because I got saved in my early 20s, but I'll tell you, I had already made a pretty good mess of my life. And I was already reaping the consequences of my decisions and my behavior. And I was already knowing the misery and the disappointment and all of those things that, that happen in a life of disobedience. And I, I, sometimes I, I just look and think, wow, Lord, you pulled me out of that. You saved me from all of that uh, misery that I have seen all around me in the lives of so many you saved me from that and you've blessed my life. It's good. And that's just because God is good and it's because if we do his commands, there is the blessing. They're connected. Doing God's word brings God's blessing upon our lives. His commandments. What are his commandments? Somebody would ask that question. Okay, doing his commandments, what, does this mean the Ten Commandments? 
Does this mean like all of the things that are written in the law of Moses? What does it mean? Well, no, it, his commands are kind of more of a general term just for his word, doing what he says to do. But John, who wrote Revelation, also wrote some letters to the churches. And in his first letter, he summed it up. He said, and this is God's commandment, that you should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. So that's it. And you know, listen, as we do that, as we believe in Jesus Christ, and as we believe in him, that, that means we're going to be obedient to him because he loves us and we love him as a result of that. And we want to please the one who loved us so much that he died for us. And, you know, all of those things are motivating us to live for his glory and cause us then to, to love one another. And it just sends us down a path of blessing. Blessed are those who do his commandments. So far from what many think, thinking that living according to God's laws are restrictive or that they're going to deprive you of some good thing in life that you could otherwise experience if you didn't have to do what the Bible says. Oh, that's the biggest lie of all time. No, doing what God says is doing what you were created to do and it puts you in a place to experience blessing. That's what God wants to do. He wants to pour out an abundance of his favor upon you. And he wants your life to be happy and whole and filled with joy and peace. And that is what he promises for the life that we're now living. And then as we read in the age to come, access to the tree of life and entrance into the eternal city. And that all equals blessings forevermore. So as we wrap things up, know this. Our God, the God of the Bible, is a blessing God. That's his intention. That's his longing. He wants to bless people. That's what he wants to do. And he tells us over and over again in the Bible the things that will lead to blessing. Now, we just looked at seven of them here in the book of Revelation, but we could go back and start from the very beginning. We could find numerous times where we are told that blessing comes in response to this. And God had these things written down for us over and over again because this is what he wants us to experience. He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to know his favor upon your life. He wants your life to be whole and complete and filled with joy and, and a happiness that transcends your circumstances, but it's a happiness just knowing that I'm in the, I'm in the care of my good heavenly father. This past Friday, we had a graduation here and I was speaking briefly to the graduates and I shared with them from Numbers chapter six, we have there what's known as the, the priestly blessing. And God says to Moses, he says, this is the way I want you to bless the children of Israel. This is what I want you to do. I want you to pronounce this over them. And that, that pronouncement is the Lord bless you and keep you and 
the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And I said to the students, I said, you know, this isn't only uh, something that God wanted said over the people, but this is something that actually shows us the very nature of God. And there at the end of that, God says, thus you shall bless them and thus, or thus you shall put my name upon them and I will bless them. So in, in declaring that blessing, God says, you're really declaring my name up, uh, over them. And what is his name? Well, he's the blessing God. He's the keeping God. He's the smiling God. He's the gracious God. He's the attentive God. He's the God who gives us peace. He's the God of blessing. And so let's never forget that. And remember that his deepest longing for you and for me is that we know that blessing, that we know that hand of favor upon our lives. That's what he desires for us. And these things that we've looked at, these are the things that tell us about what that translates into in our life experience. So Lord, thank you for the fact that you are a blessing God. Thank you for the many, many blessings that you've given to us. Thank you for the promise of blessings on into eternity. Lord, you're so good. And may we be that people who are marked by blessing. We thank you, Lord. I think of your word that says, happy are the people whose God is the Lord. That's true. Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. And so, Lord, here we are. We want to be in that place where we can experience all of the blessing that you have for us. And we know that in the end, it's your grace that has provided the blessing and that continues to provide the blessing. So, Lord, we receive all that you have for us today. We thank you that it's your continued desire to pour out your goodness upon us. Do that for your glory. And, Lord, may it be contagious. May it overflow. And may others come to know the blessing as well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.